Come on, everybody, it's the inside trip. So crack a high life and take a sip on that T-I-T. Get up and scream, and you can spell it backwards. You know what I mean. Your boy Brando in the house tonight. Gonna lay it down smooth and keep it tight. When Ben Watson gets on the mic, you better get ready because he brings the hype. It's about that time you already know that nasty trip, this nasty flow. The inside trip that is the show. Don't wind up on your back, bro. What's up, fellow wrestling fanatics? We are definitely back. This is the Inside Trip Wrestling Podcast, featuring myself, Brandon Olinger, and podcast co-host, Ben Watson, who is not here with me at the moment as we record this intro. That's typically where he would treat you to the sweet, soothing, dulcet tones of his voice with some kind of singing. Unfortunately, don't have that for you today. But what we do have for you today is a very special episode number 50, and for episode number 50, we are bringing you a very special guest today. But before we get into that, let's take care of a little housekeeping. As I said, this is the Inside Trip Wrestling Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at the Inside Trip one We even have a Facebook page out there, The Inside Trip. Find it, like it, follow us, communicate with us, all that good stuff. If you want to send us an email, feel free to do so to TheInsideTrip1 at gmail.com. Now, as I said earlier, this is episode number 50. It's kind of a big deal to us, kind of special to us, that half-century mark. Is it a milestone? I don't know. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't, but we wanted to do something different for this episode. Now, we typically don't do guests during the season, but as we began looking at this college season, kind of analyzing how things are shaping up, it's going to be another epic finale to the 2017-2018 NCAA wrestling season. I'm sure the national tournament that's going to take place in Cleveland in March is going to be one for the ages with one of the tightest team races that you could probably ever imagine, not just for first and second, but also for those third and fourth place finishes as well. In addition to that, there's also a remarkable four Division I wrestlers this year who are vying for their third national championship. Obviously, you have Dean Heil at 141 pounds. Right after him, Zane Rutherford at 149 pounds, Isaiah Martinez at 165 pounds, and then, of course, Kyle Snyder at 285 pounds. Now, it should go without saying that each of these four wrestlers have faced an extreme amount of adversity on their way to becoming two-time national champions, in addition to the pressure they may be feeling this year in their quest for that third national title. Some may even argue that one or two of those four may not even be the favorites to win their respective weight classes this year. Now, when Ben and I began talking through all of this, we thought it would be great to be able to bring somebody on this podcast and pick their minds that have been through some of these exact type of situations. Someone who fought through adversity, who was very successful, and who also was in pursuit of a third national title their senior year. And as we began to compile a list of potential guests that we could reach out to to come on and talk to us about the experiences they had and really give firsthand perspective of what it's like to be a senior wrestler in Division I in pursuit of a third national title, there was really only one guest that we could think of, and that's Gabe Dean. Now... 
as most of you probably know, Gabe is one of the most successful college wrestlers of all time. To the surprise of many, Gabe burst onto the college scene for Cornell as a freshman with great success, even pulling one of the biggest upsets of the last 10 years that season at the Southern Scuffle when he defeated another all-time great, Ed Ruth, snapping Ed Ruth's almost 90-match winning streak. He would go on to finish third that year as a freshman, before following that up with two seasons that saw him end as the national champion at some very deep and loaded 184-pound weight classes, thus putting him in the position as being a senior college wrestler in pursuit for his third national title. Now, I'll go ahead and stop there, but hopefully you have an understanding of why we chose Gabe to come on for this episode to give some firsthand perspective of what it's like to be in that position. And as you'll hear throughout this interview, Gabe was a very driven individual who put an extreme amount of pressure on himself in addition to the pressures that already exist for being a D1 college wrestler, a very successful one at that. So... Without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and bring you this interview that Ben and I did. We hope you enjoy it. We hope Gabe can give you some perspective that some of these other wrestlers are going through this year. So big shout out to Gabe for joining us. We appreciate your time, and we hope everyone enjoys this. All right, joining us tonight for episode number 50 of the Inside Trip Wrestling Podcast is none other than four-time All-American, multiple-time national champion, and current assistant coach at Cornell University, Gabe Dean. Gabe, thanks for joining us tonight, man. We're excited to have you on. How you been? I've been good. Thanks for having me. I'm uh, excited to be here, and I really appreciate the opportunity to speak with you guys, so thank you. No problem. Uh, you know, you're the one that's probably taking time out of your busy schedule. I'm sure you got a lot going on, especially being an assistant coach out there at Cornell University. How's that going for you? Oh, uh, man, it is, honestly, um, it's a whole different perspective of the sport. It's, it's insane. I... Um, but it's a ton of fun. I'm super blessed and grateful that I'm able to stay in the sport and be able to give back to something that gave so much to me. So um, they, our, our guys, we have kind of a young team this year, and um, it's been a lot of fun so far to just um, work with the guys. So I'm, I, I love it. That's awesome. Um, so other than coaching, what have you been doing since you, uh, since you graduated from Cornell, other than uh, wrestling at the U.S. Open? Well, I um, – I uh, decided, um, kind of tried to, do, you know, kind of mess around with the international stuff a little bit. Never really had too much passion uh, for those styles. Uh, just really loved college wrestling, loved the team aspect, loved how the camaraderie and the, the, and how, you know, I just all that uh, fun stuff. So I uh, just, I've, I haven't been competing. Uh, I've actually kind of retired from competing and, um, I take all my energy and, uh, you know, I uh, really want to see these guys accomplish some of their goals. So taking my energy and trying to focus on them. Yeah. And, and I, I mean, we're going to dive into you uh, and, you know, what it's like to be a coach here. But did I just hear that you say you've kind of retired from competing? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, any particular? Uh, any... Oh, go ahead, Gabe. Uh, no, yeah, I, um, it, it's it's always a tough decision to make when you kind of hang it up and you you know you put your shoes down. But I, um, you know, it's just the passion's there, and it's not or it's not there. There's not really a gray area. Um, I tried to uh, you know try to get that going in myself, but um, just couldn't really find it. And uh, I got to do some cool things, and was really really thankful for the opportunity that 
um, USA Wrestling gave me to be a part of some cool trips and compete in some cool places. But I, um, I just never, just wasn't there for me. And I uh, just, uh, I kind of realized that I'd rather, uh, I take much more joy and pride out of seeing, you know, somebody that I was able to give all my energy to and help um, accomplish their goals in the sport than myself accomplish anything more. So I, uh, yeah, I decided to retire. You know, I, I can really respect that. I think I think that, that that's that's an amazing perspective to, to to say. Look, this is it's not something that I typically, or you know, I, I have that much passion for anymore. So why don't I focus my energies more on something I do have passion for? So that's definitely something I can respect. Okay, thank you. I, I it's just you know, I I know like coming out of college and you know you have a good career. Uh, there's probably a lot of expectations that people think that you're going to go on and compete. Um, but you know, just you know, for me, it's like I'd rather see, you know, some of these guys that we have um, accomplished and, and know that I gave everything I had to them accomplish their, their goals and, you know, I, for me to accomplish anything more. So I appreciate that. Well, I mean, I got to say, man, you sound really happy right now. It sounds like you're obviously excited to be, to be a part of that Cornell coaching staff. Um, and speaking of that, you know, you know, Cornell's got some really good wrestlers this year, but obviously it seems like it's a pretty young team. What's the big focus been for the coaching staff this year with this with this young but talented team? Um, I think I think development and purpose, you know, um, something that you know we really really been striving in our, into our guys. Uh, it, it is such a young team. It's uh, it's been a while since we've you know we have one returning All American, and it's been a while since we've had we haven't had a big big time name in our lineup you know a superstar per se a returning national finals or national champ so it's almost kind of refreshing because everybody's kind of you know there's not a lot of egos and everybody's really just working towards a common goal and um yeah even though that there's there's definitely lumps along the way as all young teams do um it's been really fun as a first year coach to you know i learned just as much as these kids have um, being on the, being on the, being a new coach, so um, it's just been fun. You know, I really enjoy the guys, and um, you know, we just really just developing every day, working on development, not really worrying about too much results, and um, really just making sure everybody is driven with a purpose. What's it like to yeah. coach? What's it like to coach some of the guys that you wrestled with? You know, do they, do they see you as Coach Dean, or are you still just Gabe? You know, hanging out, busting their chops. Yeah, you know, um, you know, I'm only 23, so it's like, you know, there's only about, you know, some of these guys are my, could, can he, I don't know if anybody's my age, but there's, <laughs> there's like guys that are not even younger than me that are still wrestling. So um, I try to, you know, one of the approaches that I try to take from a coaching side that I've kind of figured out that I like the most is being pretty personable with uh, more personable and more, you know, definitely try to be more approachable than, um, I don't really want to just be known as the coach, you know, right, big, right. you know, guy makes all the shots. I, you know, I'm kind of like, I try to play the maybe the player coach role right now in my life, where it's like, you know, like it's just Gabe. You know, they don't have to call me Coach Dean. Like, it, it, it sounds weird, <laughs> almost. You know, so I, um, I definitely don't want to put myself up on a on a higher pedestal than any of those guys because at the end of the day, you're a coach. You're there for them. And, um, so I just, I, you know, they just also call me, um, you know, some of them call me coach and sometimes like that. And, you know, which is, which is, it's nice, but like, sure. I, I, I'm pretty, I'm a player coach. I like to call myself a player coach, I guess. 
you know, so I was looking at this, and I, and I, th- and I think that makes a lot of sense. I, I, I was pondering that question earlier today, and I really wanted to ask it. So speaking about the team this year, right, um, you know, some would say if you look at the prognostications that Cornell is down this year, right? If uh, Correct me if I'm wrong. Cornell's won the last 11 straight EIWA titles. I think that's right. Correct. And Correct. Le- Lehigh, you know, if you just look, I, lo- I looked at Flow Wrestling. They do rankings for the EIWA, and they're – they're they're prognosticating 146 points for Lehigh and Cornell at 112 points. Princeton's a distant third at 94. Now Cornell's actually gained some ground um, prior to the preseason rankings, so it looks like you are gaining some ground here. But what does the Big Red have to do to win its 12th straight title? Oh, I mean, first of all, I mean Lehigh has uh, just a, a great team this year, um, and, and it's definitely. Uh, a challenge that we look forward to and we actually wrestle next Friday in a duel. So that will probably give us a, a somewhat of a gauge. Um, you know, at the end of the day, you just got to do your job um, as an individual, as a teammate and as a coach, you know, it's kind of, you know, I really lo- love Bill Belichick saying where he, where he said, I always tell this guy, say, just do your job. So um, that's what we have to do. I uh, guys have to do their job, whether they're, in, you know, and just go out there and compete hard. I mean, you can't ask more from a kid if, if he goes out there and wrestles as hard as he can and does everything that he can to put him in a position to win and help his team. So as all the guys, you know, if the, if the work ethic is something that you can control and all the guys, you know, maximize that in every, every one of their matches, um, whatever the result is, you know, you have to walk away um, feeling good that, you know, your guys gave, gave everything that they did. Um, I, uh, I'm, I coach from the perspective of not, Worrying about, you know, obviously that's an incredible feat, you know, to win a 12 EIWA title as a team. Um, but results really aren't, you know, and until you get to that tournament and then uh, the last tournament of the year in March, um, results are not really what I'm worried about. I'm worried about, you know, the things that we can't control. So as long as we're doing those things and um, focusing on those things, then I'm, then I'm happy as a coach. Yeah, exactly. I can I can definitely understand that. Speaking of results, you know, everyone's been keeping a close eye this year on that young, talented freshman at 141 pounds, Yanni D, that you guys have. What? You know, he's having such a great start to, to, to his college career. What's it like having him in his room or in the Cornell room? What kind of what kind of work ethic and drive does he have? You know, Yanni is, uh, he's, I like to call him a prodigy. I've never been around somebody that loves wrestling more than Yanni, Yanni D. He, uh, he just, he eats, sleeps, breathes, drinks wrestling. And he just, I mean, his goal is to be an Olympic champ. That's, that's his goal. Um, and I know, uh, his mind is right at, I mean, he's on the right path. He's super talented got incredible skill for how young he is um just always on the mat i've i feel like half the time you know me and the other coaches are trying to kick him out of the wrestling room it's like yanni go home like balance balance yourself a little bit more but at the same time it's awesome to have a kid at such a young age um, like that uh but yeah he's special man i mean he's just he's he's unbelievable and i think he's he's gonna do some really really special things 
you know, the way you're talking about him, he sounds like he's obviously a young kid that does all the right things, you know, eats, sleeps, breathes, and lives by this sport. So that's, I mean, that can only mean good things in the future, especially with a good coaching staff guiding him. You know, I, me and Ben, we've talked about Yanni a few times on a few different episodes. And, um, we, you know, the way he wrestles, his style, his technique, how fundamentally sound he is, you know, he kind of reminds us, you know, I don't know if you were, if you paid much attention back then, but to when Dustin Schlater was a freshman from Minnesota, just how, how fundamentally yeah. sound and how good he was. But I want to ask you this, because you have some firsthand knowledge. Do you see any similarities between Yanni and another Cornell great that started his career at 141, and that was Kyle Dake? Yeah, I do. I mean, talent-wise, I see they're, they're, they're both, like, you know, super talented, super talented athletes. Um, flexibility, unbelievable strength, positionally, um, physically. And, you know, I think Yanni, Yanni is also, and Yanni is, Yanni is like so, so absorbed by wrestling that, and, and, but it, it wouldn't work. It would almost stress other people out how much wrestling like surrounds him if you were any other person, but he just, he just loves it so much. So it doesn't like before he's wrestling and God, he's watching him on his phone, like 10, 10 minutes before he walks out and wrestles a guy. It's like, it's like, Wait, wow. he's scouting him on his phone before. Yeah. Yeah. He does <laughs> stuff like that. Where it's like, it's like, Oh my God. Like I don't, at that point it's like, it doesn't matter. But you know, he right. loves, he just loves watching it. He just loves watching his sport. Like, he still watches all of his high school teammates. He, I heard him on a phone conversation like a few days ago, talking to him and being like, "Hey, you know, you know, Greg needs to do this, and Johnny needs to do this, and like Johnny needs to work on this." And he's talking to his high school coach. You know, it's like <laughs> it's, not, it's unbelievable. Um, and I think Johnny, at the same time, Johnny is such a good person. Um, he's just such a nice, wholesome kid. Uh, just really, really enjoyable to be around, and just I—he's I, just an awesome kid. I, I can't say enough about him. So. And that's great. And, and I know we don't want to spend too much time on him, but I—I I, I do have one question. You know, with with how excellent he started, how do you how do you temper expectations with him and relieve pressure with him? Because you know, coming in, you know, the comparisons to Kyle Dake, et cetera, you know. How do you how do you free his mind of those expectations and temper those expectations and free his mind of the pressure uh, just to let him go wrestle? I think pressure is created from a place that you can control, right? So pressure comes from um, pressure comes from people what people say, uh, what people put on you, what people you know what the outside world thinks of you. Um, Yanni to you know remind a kid to take pressure off him. He would remind him that hey, dude, you're Yanni Hollis. Your name is not Kyle Dake. You know your name is not you know that's you. You have your own path. You have your own journey, and you are in control of your mental and emotional state. So whether you want to feel that pressure or not is really up to you by choice. I honestly, at the end of the day, you have to keep everything in perspective. You lose a wrestling match. I mean. Yes, does it feel like the world might be ending in the moment? Yeah, it does, but guess what? You know, you're going to tie your shoes and get up the next morning and go to work the same day in the same way. So it's like you don't 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 let something that you can control affect something and make it a worse experience for you because really at the end of the day, you're only going to regret how you prepared 
for that moment. So if you're wrestling in the national finals or you're wrestling in just a big duel or you're wrestling in that thing, if you let all that expectation weigh on you and then you go out there and you don't wrestle the way that you want to, whether you win or lose, you're not going to feel good about it. So I think just being able to separate, you know, here's the things I can't control. Here's what I can't control. I can't control what people say. I can't control what flow wrestling puts on me. I can't control what all those, all those things that happen in the outside world. But you know what? I can't control my mental, emotional, physical state. And that's what I'm going to just focus on and put all my pride in and just focus on my preparation. And I think just reminding kids of that, that really helps. You know, I think you're, you're giving some really great stuff here for, for any young athlete or wrestlers to kind of listen to or live by. And it's, it's, it's really funny because before Ben and I, you know, before we called you to, to get you on the line here tonight, you know, we were talking about you and your career. And I told Ben, I said, you know, in all honesty, we say this about a lot of wrestlers, but you know, you were one of our favorite wrestlers over the last four years to watch. And for me, it was because you always seem to have this amazing, unwavering mental fortitude. And I can really hear it coming out of you now. And it, I mean, it's, it's gotta be just, you know, so great for the, for the athletes that you're coaching right now to be able to pass that type, you know, pass on that type of, uh, that type of, you know, talent or that characteristic or mentality. Definitely. Oh, I, I, yeah, thank you. I, um, I think that just to be, you know, that comes from, you know, bruises, by the way. So right. I've been, it, I learned, I learned, I think for me, and I, if I'm going to go backtrack in my career, my sophomore year in, in, in college was probably the, the toughest year because I took third as a freshman and then I felt all the expectation, all the pressure on me. I lost twice in Las Vegas at a tournament. I was coming back as supposed to be the guy. And I got through my sophomore year, and I even won a national title. But even in the tournament, I, I, I wasn't, like, pleased with how I wrestled. you know. And I got into the summer, and I was like, you know what? Whether I win another national title or I even win another wrestling match, I'm not going to do it the way that I did this past year. I mean, I was, I was living on other people's terms. By that I mean I was living I was living by other people's expectations of me and not my own expectations. And um, my last two years in college were just like it was just like uh, a weight had been lifted and I was just out there wrestling free. And it was um, and I really learned that kind of through my sophomore year in college. So I mean, I got to tell you, man, this is the wrestling nerd in us coming out. I'm kind of getting goosebumps listening to you say this for one because you know as spectators and fans you can you could have if you followed the sport close enough and really watched you could actually tell and kind of see exactly what you were talking about um and two uh you know also because you're kind of you know you're you're, you're spoiling my thunder here you're taking off all my questions i was going to ask <laughs> um, <laughs> i'm sorry no it's okay no this That's is great it. it's great stuff but if you don't mind Let's just, I want to back up just a bit, okay? I'd just like to back up just a bit because, you know, in high school, you know, in Michigan, you were, by all accounts, an amazing football player. Um, you were a great wrestler as well. Obviously ranked within the top, you know, let's say 100 of, of the recruiting class. I think most prognostic or, you know, publications had you about 75th or in that range. But what made you decide to, to say, I'm going to bypass football where I was, you know, kind of like the, the big cheese in Michigan and pursue this wrestling career? Um, oh, I think, I think, I think it goes back to kind of saying one door closed, another one opens. I had an experience. I, um, I remember I was going to my senior year in high school, and uh, Georgia Tech 
had shown interest in me to play football there. And they wanted me to come down to a combine, and um, they wanted to see me because they saw my highlight film that I'd sent out to some schools. So I went down there, and um, you know, I, I jumped in this 15-passenger van with my dad. It was just, just probably like you know, 90 degrees in the middle of summer, no air conditioning in the van, the old church van that he used to haul wrestlers around in. My dad was my high school wrestling coach. So, um, so we drove, drive down to Atlanta, Georgia, and I'm there for probably about 20 minutes total. And, um, I was pretty much told that I could never really be a great, great football player based upon my size. And I got back to the van and it just really bugged me that, that someone felt that they could tell me what I was going to be and not take into effect the most powerful tool that every human being has, and that's your mind. Boom. So I, so I, uh, I said, you know what, Dad? Wrestling seems like a sport that you can control your own destiny. I think I want to wrestle in college. So he, when he, you know, he, he was thrilled. You know, he was a college wrestler from Minnesota. Um, yeah. And uh, he was, uh, he was pumped. And then I, uh, you know, Coach Cole got wind of it, I think, through my dad. And, um, you know, I, I was, you know, I, I think I was around 70 in the pound for pound rankings, but I wasn't recruited too highly. Um, and I only took two official visits. I took one to Michigan and I took one to Cornell. And when I came out to Cornell, I, uh, I committed on the spot. That's kind of where the journey began. So, I mean, look, hindsight being 2020, it's obvious that you made the right choice, at least in my opinion. Um, so, hey, yeah, I'm uh, glad I did. Little, uh, little useless fact here. Um, in 2010, 2011, I think that was your senior year of high school, right? 2000, 2012, I graduated. So maybe it was two thousand. That's my junior year. Okay. Um, I believe Lowell traveled down to Southwest Ohio, either your junior year or senior year, and wrestled in a tournament at Mason High School. And the 189... What was that? My junior year. Yeah, yeah okay. My junior year. And the 189 champ was was you, Gabe Dean. And uh, Ben <laughs> and, and uh, Ben and I just happened to be there coaching at that same tournament. So we got to see a little. <laughs> no a little way. We, yeah, we were coaching wow. wrestling. Um, we're actually from this area. Uh, we're, we're in Dayton, Ohio, kind of a, I don't know, about 30 minutes away from Mason. But, yeah, we actually got to see you wrestle in high school and win that 189-pound bracket. So, in a little way, Ben and I like to think we got a little influence in your future success, you know? I think, yeah. I mean, anybody that I bumped into must yeah, has to take some credit for it. I, I was actually, after I saw you wrestle, thinking that you should probably have gone and played football. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm totally kidding, man. <laughs> Hey, hey, yeah, that's funny. That's funny, oh, man. That's funny. I, um, yeah, I uh, remember Coach Waller, Coach Coach Waller, old Rob Waller, um, would always say, "You're." He always tell me since I was a little kid because I, I used to go out there for his camps for a week in the summer in PA, Latrobe, and uh, he'd always say, "You're not a football player, Gabe. You're a wrestler." So, you know, I mean, I think he, uh, I think he takes some, I think he takes credit as well. So. <laughs> So let me ask you this, kind of going back to that mindset, um, you know, you know, you mentioned you were kind of around 70th pound for pound coming out of high school and, you know, you were a part of a really great recruiting class at Cornell. I mean, I think there, Mark Gray was in there, uh, Brian Robuto, even Dylan Palacio amongst some other guys as well. How did you go from being that recruit that was ranked, you know, on the, the, uh, the you know, the, the bottom, you know, co- you know, 
basically the 75th area of the top 100 to be in a one-time state champ from Michigan to being one of the most successful college wrestlers of all time? I think, um, so I came in as probably one of our worst recruits in that recruiting class. We had uh, Cisneros, Gray, Realbuto, Congeni, Palacio. Um, I mean, that was an insane recruiting class. Uh, and I think Congeni... I think Congeni was actually recruited to be the 84-pounder, wasn't he? He was. He 84-97. I don't know how much hope the uh, Cornell staff had in me, to be honest with you, (laughs) at the beginning. Um, I was was definitely a guy that they were really glad that they got, but it wasn't like I was the sought-after recruit in my class. You know, like the guy, the the golden child coming in. and, And rightfully so, those guys. I just listed were all, all had better athletes than I did, um, in, in, in high school. So, and all, all of them great guys too, like, uh, all of them good dudes. So a place feels a little wild, but he's still a good dude. But I, uh, <laughs> I, uh, as you guys probably know, but I, um, I, uh, I came in and I, you know, and I gotta, I, I gotta, I gotta talk about him, and he'd probably punch me if I did if for, for talking about him because I know he doesn't like too much attention. But this guy, Cam Simes, was um, yeah. still around, and he was co-iron coming recruiting class. I don't know if you guys remember Cam Simes. I'm sure you do. Oh yeah, um, he's a, you know four-time All-American national champ from Michigan, about an hour away from where I grew up, and he was a big reason why I wanted to come to Cornell. Um, he came back my senior year in high school and beat the ever-living crap out of me for like an hour and a half straight and I was never so inspired by like wow like I want to do that to somebody that was that like wow um and so I kind of followed here and he was my coach for my first year in college well I um I uh having him as my coach and he's a phenomenal coach and he really helped me grow up a lot in that first year and he taught me and really helped me transition into college wrestling. I mean, I didn't win an open tournament my first year in college. I went 0-2 at my first tournament. I tried to quit wrestling. I tried to. I took an attempt at quitting wrestling after my first open tournament. I remember calling my dad, telling him I wanted to walk out of the football team. I didn't think this sport was for me. And, um, you know, I ended up sticking it out and didn't win an open tournament, placed at a few, and then came into my freshman year and, you know, you just kept working hard. You know, I'm kind of a blue-collar kid. I'm from a small farm town, so... Just kind of kept my nose down and working hard, and things worked out. So, going into your freshman year, you know you had a nice start to the season, um, but let's just go ahead and let's just get to that Southern scuffle. You know that, you know at the Southern scuffle, you you kind of you did the unthinkable. You you beat Ed Ruth, snapping his eighty-eight match winning streak. What did that do to to you from a mental perspective? And would you maybe say that might have been the moment? That you knew that you knew that you could be great. <laughs> it was funny. I, uh, I, you know, I, I, I get asked about that match a lot, uh, and uh, yeah, it's kind of like the moment where I kind of started to put myself on the map a little bit. Um, going into that match, I just, I'd wrestled him earlier in like my first open at the Binghamton Open, which is a small, you know, you, Binghamton, New York, small school. They have an open every year. I wrestled him in the finals of that. And he freaking uh, cradled and pinned me um, in about a minute and a half. He did That's that, right. you know. He, he was famous for that. And uh, I remember going into the match, and um, my, you know, Damian Hahn comes up to me, and he's like, "Hey, so what's your, 
you know, what's your goal this match? You know, what are you, what are you thinking? And I'm like, oh, I'll tell you one thing, man. Like, I don't care what happens out there, but I'm not getting pinned. I'm not getting pinned. And uh, I'm walking off the mat with some sort of pride. And um, he was like, I like that. And I remember Coach Cole had this slip for the Outstanding Wrestler Award where coaches all vote for who they think the Outstanding Wrestler is. Mm-hmm. And he's like, so should I put your name in 10 or should I just put it in, put it, should I put it in pencil? Because um, depending on how this match is going to go, I might have to erase it. And I was like, and I was like, just put it put it in ten. He goes, wow. I'm not going to go out. I'm not going to go out. He's like, all right. And um, sure enough, just you know, like it's kind of crazy when you just kind of let the chip fall and you kind of throw all the baggage off and you just go out there to fight. Things just kind of happen. And, uh, Was it, oh, go ahead, game. Sorry. No, yeah, I mean, it just, yeah, things happened. <laughs> That's all I had. Well, I was just wondering, what were you thinking about, like, during the match? I mean, do you remember any thoughts during the match, like, oh, my gosh, I'm about to do this, or, man, I just hit him on that re-attack, and I'm scoring again, and <laughs> this really shouldn't be happening, or what? <laughs> I, uh, I, you know, you, coming from my biggest goal coming into the year was to be on in the starting lineup at Cornell, um, coming into my freshman year. Um it really was kind of a surreal moment, but I kind of kept telling myself, like, hey, Dave, like, like the first period goes by. And it's like, all right, like, I'm actually winning. How, I'm, I don't know how I'm winning, but I'm winning. I'm winning right now. <laughs> the second period goes by. The second period goes by, and it's like, I'm still winning. Wow. This, is, <laughs> this, is, this, this could happen. But at the same time you're doing that, but you're having those thoughts, you're going, hey, uh, Gabe, um, cut it out. You need to stay focused. Um, and you need to, you need to, you know, you're going to, you're going to hit, you're going to punch yourself if you get this close and you don't, you know, you don't stay focused. So, um, and then after getting the last reattack in the third period, I was like, yep, this is happening, I guess. So, uh, my life's about to get a little crazy, but, um, yeah, it's happening. <laughs> and it did, it did get a little crazy after that. I mean, you were definitely, uh, so, on the map. Yeah. So, you know, you, you brought this up earlier, and I, I'd i really like for you to expand on it a little bit, but obviously you took third as a freshman. Um, uh, you know, you had a fantastic, a fantastic season, a great performance at the NCAAs, but you went into your sophomore season as, as basically the man at that weight class, you know, ranked number one, projected champ. How did you handle that type of pressure? Not well. Not well at all. I, um... I definitely was fearful of losing. Um, I was wrestling with fear. I was living by other people's expectations of me. I was wrestling with a thousand pound weight on my chest. I couldn't seem to break it. I just, I, I didn't handle it well. And I, and honestly, it's the first time in my life that I'd been like the guy. You know, I always kind of felt like I was been kind of the underdog um, my whole life. But like, it was like, oh wow, like you know, everybody's. You know, people are trying to take you out now, and um, I didn't, I didn't handle it well at all. And honestly, like I'm, I think everything happens for a reason. I really love that quote. I kind of buy it, and um, I'm glad that my sophomore year happened because it put me, it helped me learn the best way to approach not only the sport of wrestling but your life in general. And I think going through that process really 
just helped me grow up a lot and become a better person. So, you know, you mentioned that you lost a couple of matches at the Cliff Keen Vegas tournament your sophomore year. When you got back to Cornell after that, what what did you what did you say to yourself that you had to do differently, or what changes did you did you know that you needed to make? It's just like you know, you know, Gabe, you're not. You need to you need to kind of reevaluate some of the things you're prioritizing. Um, you know what really matters to you. You know, does national does being a national champ matter more to you than anything in the world? Does does do this, do what people think of you really matter to you more than anything? You know, what drives you? What is your purpose? What's your why? I think that was very unclear and not in the right place. I think I was driven by these superficial um, external factors that were, you know, what other people think. You know, I'm trying to live up to other people's expectations. Like, what kind of standard do you set for yourself when you get out of bed every day? And what is that? What what are the necessary steps that you need to take to get to that standard? You know, why do you roll out that every day, Gabe? Like, you got to have these conversations with yourself when you're 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 trying to get yourself back in line. And you know you're off. Um, so, and I, I have to with myself throughout the whole career. That's probably why a lot of people think that wrestlers are somewhat insane um, because they, you know, or competitors are because you really do have to look, especially in your most adverse moments. You have to look at yourself in your in the mirror and go and remind yourself of what your why is. Because I really believe being clear on what our why and what our purpose is in our life really drives you know what whatever we're working towards and being unclear with that and you know the people that are unclear unclear with their why because they're literally just going through the motions of life and um i think that's what i was doing and then at the same time my why was driven by what other people think you know like i you know i gotta be i gotta live up to be this big time name gabe dean number one guy in the country when really that's something that I can't control. I should have been, and what I figured out going to my junior year is like, I don't care if I win another wrestling match, but this is the way that I'm going to go about it because this is the way that I can control things. And that's what kind of Las Vegas in my sophomore year trying to shift towards because I learned through that year living by on other people's terms. is a very stressful way to live and living in with fear of losing and with the fear of that you might not be this big time macho number one guy in the country um, because you might lose, you know, that I learned that that is a very stressful way to live. And I didn't care if I won another wrestling match. I wasn't doing it that way again. So, I mean, that's you're for me. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's some great stuff there. And you're absolutely right. You know, I, you read a lot of books about the most successful people, you know, in the world and, you know, the common theme or one of the common themes is, is that all of them did things, you know, not because of, they weren't afraid of what other people thought about them. They weren't doing it for other people. They had a goal in mind and they were going to accomplish that goal no matter what. And, uh, you, you know, what you just said, just really kind of, um, it really kind of legitimizes that. I do want to ask you this though. I've seen a lot of reports, you know, that for a lack of better words, you, you trained obsessively, you know, like trained like a madman, I guess, and that there was a time when you kind of had to be reeled back in by your coaches. What drove you to train like that, and and why did your coaches have to intervene? 
I think training was something that I could control. So I wanted to maximize it and make sure I did everything that I could to put, to, to, to do the best that I could, I guess. Like when I finally hit me that I needed to really take pride and put my purpose in the things that I can control in my life. I, you know, and there's a point where you push it too far and that's why you have coaches, right? So they could rein me, rein me in. But when I got to that point, I was like, I took my own training to another level. I was just, I mean, I would just, it's something that I could control. So I would push myself to as hard and as, as hard as I possibly could. And, um, yeah, I, I definitely, I'm very glad that I was reined in because I, you know, I was just, I, I, everything was very clear, but at the same time, I, I needed to learn the recovery aspect of wrestling as well. <laughs> so after winning that first NCAA title as a sophomore, did you feel a sense of relief? Yeah. Yeah. Everybody says it's like, everybody says it's harder to win your second one, um, or win another one. Um, for me, it was like, okay, that's done. And that's, you, you did it, but you're never doing it that way again. Um, and whether you win another one or you don't win another one, here's the way that you're going to do it. This is the way that we're going to do it. And let's be very clear on that. And let's go about your whole life that way. Take that into your books and your academics and your, and all the things that you're doing in your life. Let's do it across all boards. And um, when I did that, it just, oh, just it, things got a lot better, a lot less stressful. <laughs> so did you so, feel less stress going into your junior season then? Yeah, I felt a lot less stress. I felt really just excited and good about it. I was like, you know, I was just happy and just enjoying it, enjoying the process. You know, there's, I knew there's going to be lumps around the road. There's going to be bumps. Um, that's just the way it is. And just enjoying the, enjoying the great moments as much as the adverse moments. You know, like the highs and lows in life, you got to enjoy them. You know, it means you have a pulse. So I, uh, I just, I just kind of embraced it more than anything, whatever was coming my way and just had fun. And, uh, surprise, you know, I guess it, it kind of, it's good to you back if you do things that way. Right. And, um, ended up, you know, winning another one and, you know, just, yeah, it was just, it was an easier way to live, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely noticeable in your wrestling your junior year. You looked a, a lot more loose. I mean, you were you were pretty dominating your junior year. I think aside from uh, from one little hiccup that, you know, uh, we're not, yeah, we, I, we, you know, for whatever reason, it may have been you had one hiccup, but, I mean, you had a heck of a season that, that junior year, 34 wins, I think 25 wins by bonus point. I mean, you you really dominated um going into your senior season and seeking that you know trying to cap your career off seeking that third NCAA title did any of that pressure start to creep back in and i guess gabe and, and i want to preface this by saying you know we're asking you a lot of these questions because when you really look back on your career the situations that you were in how your freshman year came about, the things you went through your sophomore year and so forth. I think that you encountered a lot of situations that really took, you know, it took that mental fortitude to, to overcome where a lot of wrestlers, the, the majority of wrestlers would have broke or would have cracked. And, and you, you, you didn't, you always found a way to come through and, and come out on top for the most part. 
So that's why we're kind of asking these types of questions, especially with, you know, the way the landscape in college wrestling is this year with you've got a lot of deep weight classes. You've got a lot of guys who have been very successful. And then in those weight classes for those same guys, there's a lot of up and comers who are aiming for them and gunning for them. And I think you can provide a lot of great perspective on these situations. So that's kind of why we keep asking these types of questions. I hope you don't mind. I prefer them. I mean, I'm not here to talk about how great my wrestling career was. I'm not here to talk about being a two-time national champion, four-time All-American. The stuff that I'm going to help, that I want to help, my purpose in my life is to, to live for others in this pursuit to do the right thing. And the way that I'm able to do that is talking about the times where I was failing. So, I, God, please, I'm glad that we're talking about it. Well, I appreciate that. So, so going back to that question, then you enter your senior season. I mean, you're you're the man. You're seeking your third national title. You've got the you've been given one of the greatest nicknames I've ever seen given in college wrestling, or just in general. You know, did you did that any of that pressure start to creep back in on you? No, no. I you know I was I, like I said after my junior year, I was pretty clear on how I was going to live my life and. um and, uh, you know, I, at that point, I, I'm a three-time All-American. I've won two national titles. I'm, I'm, it's, I think, I think for me, it was like, you know, I'm, I'm just thankful I get to do it another, uh, for another year. <laughs> I, uh, whether you know, I come out on top or not, I'm just, I'm just really, I'm really just blessed with so much opportunity in my life. I mean, you know, from where I, you know, a kid, small town kid from West Michigan, where I, you know, where I grew up and where I kind of came from, I, you know, to be able to wrestle on Saturday night in front of, you know, millions of people, I just, on ESPN, you know, prime time, I just like, you kind of got to pinch yourself a little bit and just be thankful for those kind of opportunities. And um, I just kind of approached my senior year the same way that I did after I kind of learned my, you know, biggest lesson in my life that kind of changed my life. I, um, I just, yeah, I was, I, I, I was, I, I didn't feel too much pressure to be honest with you. What were your thoughts when you heard that Bo Nickel was going up to 184 to challenge you? Great, another guy, just another guy that puts the shoes on the same way I do. So, awesome. <laughs> I mean, you've never backed down from a challenge, so I wouldn't expect you to, to want to back down from that one either. Um, you know, you had a great senior season going into that national tournament. I mean, undefeated, lots of bonus wins again. Entering the NCAA tournament that year, did you ever find yourself looking ahead to the finals match against most likely, you know, Bo Nickel, or were you just focusing, were you still able to just focus on one match at a time? Um, you gotta take, I mean, when you're in the NCAA tournament, you gotta take one match at a time. I had some, uh, some personal stuff off of that, that I was kind of dealing with, um, through, through that time. And, um, also I, I, I don't want to sit here and make, I mean, I lost the law. I lost the net. I like Bo beat me straight up and he's national champ that year and he won. Um, so what I'm saying is not an excuse at all. I don't want it to come off that way at all. Um, I'm just being honest with some of the things that I was going through. Um, I don't think I wrestled. I, I, I didn't wrestle my best in the national tournament my senior year. I, uh, 
I had some personal stuff going on off the mat, um, and then in the, our confidence tournament, I uh, tore cartilage in my rib. So I, uh, so about a week and a half before nationals, I was uh, dealing with dealing with that. So I, uh, I, you know, I don't know if you guys have ever torn cartilage in your rib or you know anything like that. It's not the best thing <laughs> to wrestle with. Um, hard to breathe. So, yeah, yeah, very, very hard, hard to breathe. breathe. Yeah, it's hard to breathe, um, and it obviously got a little bit better by nationals. But I mean, it still was—you know—I was really having to battle through some 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 pain there. So I, uh, you know, that's just life, and things happen, and it doesn't take anything away from Bo being a national champ and being the being a great competitor that he is. So, um, but that's just some of the stuff that I was dealing with. So. You know, so I remember we were, we were in the stands. We've we've gone to seven NCAA tournaments in a row. We, you know, we're obviously huge fans. You know, I remember watching you, and you had a tight one in the quarter with Jack Deckow. I think it went into overtime. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he was always a bad matchup for me. Yeah, I know you. You beat him five to four at the NCAA tournament. I think a couple years before that. Um, I mean, what was? I always, I know, I know, I keep asking you what was going through your mind, but I mean, I'm, we're talking in the quarterfinals here. And you're you're in overtime. I mean, was there you know was there a point where you were just really pretty nervous or panicked? Oh, oddly, no. I just you know you just stay focused on the task at hand, and that task is to survive in advance in the national tournament. Your your number one goal: survive in advance. So, um, really, I just kind of was you know hunkered down and just kind of you know just like hey you know you still have an opportunity to win this match so. You gotta stay focused, um, and I guess that's just years of being in difficult situations and having experience there, and being able to gut those things out. But Jack was always a tough matchup for me. Super athletic, strong, um, just tough to score on. So, and we wrestled three out of four years at the national tournament that I was there. Yeah, you guys had some so, battles. Yeah, we 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 always battled, and uh, he's a he's a great competitor. Um, so, you know, obviously, as we've already discussed here, that finals match your senior year didn't go the way that you wanted it to go. Um, I think I know the answer to this based on, you know, a lot of the things you're saying this, but, you know, it's to me it's obvious that you've moved on from it. But I would like to ask, you know, what were your thoughts immediately after that match, and did it take you a little while to really come to terms with the reality of the situation? Yeah, I kind of want, you know, I – I walk out, I walk to the backstage off the mat, you know, um, you know, the first thing I, I do is, you know, tell Damien I love him and, you know, I, I just thank you for believing in me. Um, and then, you know, Mike Gray as well, you know, both those two had always been in my corner and you know, I was a kid that, I guess I was a kid that came into college not really believing in himself and, you know, thank God that my coaches and you know, some people believed in me before I could believe in myself, you know. So, and those were two of the guys that really did, including Coach Cole. You know, um, so I kind of hugged it all out with all of them. And then I, uh, you know, I, 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 I kind of regained my composure. But, um, you know, the next thing I, I wanted to pay tribute to was my family. I guess, I guess after that match, you know, the thing that I wanted to do the most was just tell everybody how, you know, how thankful I was for being there with me through the whole ride and, you know, just, you know, 
just, just, yeah. So I, I was more focused on, you know, letting people know how thankful I was for them and those people that were in my life, um, than anything. So, yeah, I can understand that. And hey, listen, you know, you know, all joking aside, look, as wrestling fans, and I'm going to speak for wrestling fans everywhere. You look, we were very thankful to have gotten to see four great years from you because you were definitely one of the one of the good guys to watch and root for in the sport. Um, and you know, some of the perspectives that you have right now is just is amazing, and it really it really helps people understand the difference of what what honestly makes some people average and others great. It, to be truthfully honest. And what makes some people average people and what makes some people great people, too. <laughs> exactly. Um, I, I, I want to ask, you know, what advice, if any, would you give to to not only the three wrestlers who are aiming for their third title this year, but, you know, just wrestlers in general? If you had to, you know, looking back on your career, how you did things and how things played out for you, What's that? What's that one piece of advice that you would give them? I think just keep everything in perspective. Um, control the things that you can control. Focus on those things. Take pride in those things. Do them to the best of your ability. And just remember that, as great as the sport is, and how, and, and 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 as amazing it is to win another national title and be on that stage, just think about the long term picture especially when you're in your senior year, you know, what, what, what the sport is really going to be doing for you and what really, it really has done for you leading up to that point. Um, be grateful and thankful for that. And, you know, when you get down the road and your husband, father someday, just remember that whether you won your third national title or you lost, it all was worth it. And, um, it's just it's the best sport in the world because you take the things that you, you the adversity and the tough things that you had to go through and then you apply it to the rest of your life um, and that's why it's the best sport in the world it's the best sport in the world because you won three national titles and you were a four time American or you were you know you, it's not that's not why wrestling is great it's great because it it changes your life if you use it the right way. You know, so. you're absolutely right. And I, I think that it changes your life, whether you're a four-time college All-American or a four-year wrestler in high school who never cracked the starting lineup. I mean, in one way or you know, or another, it, it it's going to change your life. So yeah. let's – all right, let's get into some of the more fun stuff, I yeah. guess, again. All right. Um, looking, <laughs> back, looking back on your career, you – you were a part of some brutally tough 184-pound weight classes. I mean, it was just littered with guys that could scrap, that would brawl, that were, you know, just tough as nails. But don't tell me Ed Ruth. That's the easy answer. But who was the toughest competitor that you faced in your four years of college? A guy that every time you went on a, out on that mat, you knew this is going to be a battle. You know, this is going to be a brawl. And I gotta give it all I got. Oh, definitely Sam Brooks. Um, Sam Brooks was definitely the brawler for sure. Um, oh, that guy, honestly, uh, he just always could find a way to be right there to win it, and it was always a tough matchup for me. Um, 
you know, just yeah, there's so many good guys. Uh, Vic Avery, it's great. It's a was a tough sob. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, was, I mean, oh, I, go ahead, I, I, I could probably go through. I could probably go through like ten guys, but I got I got those are the three that are coming to my mind right now. I was looking at your 2014 bracket today, and I think it had Avery. I think it had like all those guys in it. That was a crazy bracket. I think that was the year you took third. There was like, yeah. I, I think I counted yeah. like 12 All Americans, <laughs> like yeah. former or future. Yeah, insane. Yeah, like 84 year in year out. I don't know if it's just the time right now, but 84 just seems to be just a, a, a hell of a weight class. So, <laughs> yeah. So talk to me about your brother, Max. All right. He's, he's in his freshman season this year at Cornell. You know, how's it feel to get to coach, to, to actually get to coach your brother? What's that like? I think you learn just like I kind of said earlier, I think coaching your brother makes you really learn a lot about being a coach um, than faster than just probably coaching other kids. You know, my brother's my best friend. I loved him to death. I would do absolutely anything for him. Um, and he would do the same for me. He was my biggest supporter um, through, my, through my college career. And he always has been. He's always been right by my side. And um, now I just want to be that for him because um, as a coach. Um, but at the same time, it's, it's interesting because it's your brother and you know, it's important to just, for, and he does a great job for him to know that this is your, this is your time now. This is your path. This is your journey. This is your thing. Um, and just do, just live it up and just have, have fun with it and just create your own, create your own legacy. Um, and just that, that, and that's kind of where, and at the end of the day, no matter what, I'm always your brother first. I will never separate being your coach and being your brother. I mean, I'll always separate being your coach and being your brother. Um, and I will always be your brother first. So I kind of, I'm a little bit more hands off. I work with him a good amount. I train with him. Mm-hmm. Um, but I let, I, I, you know, I got so much confidence between our coach, uh, the rest of our coaching staff. And I let them really work with him on a lot of the detailed stuff. But I'm always there, you know, for him. I'm, I'm always there in his corner. He knows that, and I train with him, and I work on some detailed stuff with him. Um, but I, 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 I like to give him the space. Um, well, he's definitely got a good workout partner in, in the 197 pounder, Ben Darmstadt, our fellow Ohio boy. Ben seems like he's uh, he's really turning it on this year as well. Both him and your brother are having having really good starts to their freshman years. Yeah, yeah, Ben's a great kid, growing up a lot, continues to grow, love him, super nice, um, super happy, you know, he's here with us, and, um, you know, God, I mean, he's like 6'4", you know, you don't see that wrestling <laughs> so much, so, um, got a lot of talent, got a lot of stuff that he can use, and um, and he does, he does really well, he continues to grow, I'm super pleased with him, works hard, great kid, so... Yeah, he had a really nice win over uh, All-American Willie Miklas. Uh, what was it, down in South Beach Duels? Yeah, he, uh, yeah, he looked awesome. He yeah. wrestled great. Good for him. I know everybody back here in Ohio is following him pretty closely. 
Well, I mean, Gabe, look, we've had you on for a little while here. Um, you know, appreciate all your time. I, I, I want to ask you just this one last question. It's We probably kind of talked about it throughout this entire, you know, conversation for the most part. But, you know, what mistakes it, did you make in during your career, if any, or what did you learn in your college career that, that right now – that you feel helps make you a good coach and a good mentor and guide of these young athletes on the Cornell wrestling team or, or any wrestling team you coach and will coach in general. I think every failure or mistake along the way that I made that affected my wrestling in some way definitely helps me become, make me a better coach um, because I'm able to relate to a lot of the things that the kids are going through. Um, You know, I, uh, I, again, like, I'm, you know, it's a little philosophical, I guess, and a little bit, you know, deep, but, like, I always try to bring it back to, like, reality and put things in their place and what they really are. Like, my dream, when I hear people say my dream is to win a national title or my dream is to win something, it's like, okay, so what if if you do that, then what are you going to do with the rest of your life? Like, that's a, that should be a goal. Absolutely, those are goals. So I think, like, the thing that helps me the most as a coach is kind of what I learned along my whole path that wrestling is a sport and it's something that you can have goals in and chase after. But, like, don't lose sight of the what's the most important things in life. And if anything use wrestling to make you better at those things because when I'm 50 years old someday and I'm talking about how I won two national titles back in the day, someone should probably punch me in the face. <laughs> when, I'm 50, when I'm 50 years old someday, I hope I'm talking about my, you know, my kids and, you know, what they're doing in their lives and, you know, maybe their kids and, you know, you know that kind of thing. It's like wrestling, wrestling is going to help me become a better that, not just you know, this, not just, you know, not just a national champ, a multiple time national champ. So I kind of take that mindset with me and I apply it to my coaching. We got guys that lose all, you know, they'll lose matches and stuff. And it's like, Hey, you get like, you get 10 minutes, to, you know, feel sorry for yourself, but let's turn this into something good. Let's turn this into something productive. Let's not dwell even more on this, and make it worse let's turn it into something that we can have a silver lining with so i think that's i don't you know been having you know i never went undefeated in college so i always lost it once at least once a year so i think just having those experiences and kind of perspective is what i take most of my coaching now you know, Ben and I talked last week when we did our podcast that, you know, in, in wrestling or in sports in general, and you either win or you lose. I mean, let's face it, you win. I'm sorry, you either win or you learn. Okay. And, you know, it, it, it's win. It's great. It's great to win and have those winning moments. But when you lose, you've really just got to take it as a learning opportunity and, and move on for it. And it sounds like you really embrace that type of mentality throughout your career and, and, and it paid dividends for you. I mean, it's it's obvious, at least to me. You gotta have a short term memory. I mean, you just you gotta you gotta have a short term memory because if you lose and then you let that loss affect another loss, I mean, what are you really doing to yourself? You know. <laughs> so exactly. Just, you know, 
you, you lose, you learn from it, like you said, and um, you get better. All right. Well, hey, Gabe, listen, you know, we've we've had you on longer than I told you we would have you on. I apologize for that. But, you know, you've don't, given some, some amazing information, you know, some just amazing perspective here. Ben and I are both greatly appreciative of having you on. Um, is there any last words that you have that you'd like to say? Any any shout outs you want to give or anything? Well, just just thank you guys for having me on. I know this is your fiftieth episode, so I'm uh, I'm truly honored to be your fiftieth episode. And um, as much as you guys maybe learned from me, you know, I I was you know I think I learned from you. So thank you guys, great interviewers. Uh, one of the best podcasts I've ever been on, and. You know, I wish you guys continued success. Thank you for all that you do for the sport. Well, thank you. Those words mean a lot. And um, we look forward to seeing you in Cleveland this year at the national tournament, but this time not as a wrestler, as a coach. We wish you the best of luck and the Cornell wrestling team the best of luck, Gabe. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. Man, so there you have it. Four-time All-American, two-time national champion, three-time national finalist, now assistant coach at Cornell University, Gabe Dean. Ben, I got to tell you, um, that was some powerful stuff. That was probably one of the coolest things I've ever been a part of in the sport of wrestling. You know, I it's easy to say this, you know, joking around, but I, I, when I said it earlier, I was not joking. There were so many things that he said where I literally got goosebumps from. Yeah. You know, he his perspective on the sport, he could be bitter. Okay? He could. He, he has... I'm not going to say they're right, but, you know, people wouldn't blame him to still be continue to be bitter about, you know, losing that final match and not not obtaining what I'm sure his goal was, was to be that, you know, that three-time national champion. Instead, he's taking, you know, what occurred to him, the, the bad portions of what occurred to him, and he's using that and utilizing that to make other people better. And, and, and that's just the definition of a of an amazing person. And he's just going to be, I mean, he might end up being a better coach than he is. A, was a damn wrestler. You know, I meant it when I said it to him, look, I, he's going to be an amazing coach if he sticks with it, but he's going to be one of those coaches. That's not only an amazing coach. He's an amazing leader of men. Right. You know, and it's, here's a guy that was a one-time state champ from Michigan, you know, a, a, a good recruit, but not, you know, like he said, he was the probably the the worst recruit in that recruiting class yeah, that he Cornell wasn't the had. Big name. That he was not the big name, and he went into Cornell, almost quit at one point, but was able to take a little bit of belief that his coaches had in him, and he took that belief and nurtured it and started believing in himself, and worked probably harder than anyone else could have worked at the time to become the wrestler that he was. And I think that's also a testament to the Cornell coaching staff, the Rob Coles, the Damian Hans, the, the Mark Gray's, it's Mark Gray, right? Yeah. Of the world. Um, Mike. Mike Gray, excuse me. Yeah, Mark, he, he wrestled with Mark. Correct. Um, yeah, the Mike Gray's of the world that, you know, that got him to where he was as well. And I'm sure he would, he, you know, he would say the same thing. That was just a fantastic a fantastic interview um you know he did all the work we, we were just the lucky enough to be able to sit here and listen to it I, I felt very fortunate you know this is one of those 
it's you know some of these interviews that we that we're fortunate enough to do are just they're just fun in nature. You sit back, you you know you kind of you shoot the shit a little bit, you have a good time, right. and that's what we were doing at first with Gabe. But we were really fortunate to get to hear some of that insight that he has, and this is one where I I hope that there is a high school wrestler or two out there, maybe a college wrestler or two out there that just happens to come across this interview, listen to it and can really find some value out of it. Completely agree, man. All right, man. Look, I don't think we could have found a better way to do episode 50 of this podcast, Ben. Um, I feel extremely fortunate. I hope our listeners enjoyed this. That's all we got for you. Episode 50 of the inside trip wrestling podcast is in the books. I want to give a special shout out, a big time thank you to Gabe Dean. And as always, guys, don't wind up on your back, bro.